Real Estate Coaching Radio, America's number one trusted resource for realtors who demand authentic, real-time coaching. Starring award-winning real estate coaches Tim and Julie Harris. Get ready for unfiltered, full-strength honesty about what is truly working to get you into action and make you money in this new real estate boom. Now to our hosts, Tim and Julie Harris. We're joined today by realtor, speaker, and next home vice president, Emron Pilati. During his 12 years selling real estate, he sold over 900 homes before becoming a leader in franchise development with Harcourse USA, overseeing 22 franchise locations and over 300 agents. In 2014, he became the vice president of Next Home, a rapidly growing brokerage with over 180 offices and 900 agents. Emron was awarded the 2013 President's Award from the California Association of Realtors and was listed among the 2013 Inman News Top 100 Most Influential Real Estate Leaders. His cancer diagnosis in 2012 and his journey back to health spawned a speaking opportunity that would send him all over the world, helping others eliminate their excuses. As he expands the Next Home franchise, he continues to talk to agents and business owners about the lessons he's learned from cancer. Now, let's welcome Emron to the call as we join our host, Tim Harris. Emron, I really appreciate you being my co-host. I Actually, you're one of the folks that we've had on our list for a while, Wayne, to have on the radio. A lot of people have heard you speak before, said you were incredibly inspirational, and actually some of our coaches have told me the same thing. So really, sincerely, thanks for being my co-host to, for today's uh, Real Estate Coaching Radio Show. My absolute pleasure. Happy to be here. So let's talk about, um, let's just, uh, let's talk about, the, let's talk about the heavy stuff first. So tell us okay. about your uh, can't. Yeah, let's just get that out of the way, right? Yeah, let's just so let's get talk, right talk to the heavy stuff. Go <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Why? Why we? Why should we walk nicely into this? Let's just basically <laughs> hit them with. Tell them the truth about what happened, because it's your recovery, it's your comeback, it's the life lessons that you've taken from it that are just so incredibly inspirational. So I'll just leave it there for you. Sure. I started my real estate career in 2002. I'm from Stockton, California, one of the roughest cities in the United States. I'm born and raised there. I started my career in 2002, did pretty well, sold about 20 houses a year. Um, And then in 2007, I was diagnosed with testicular cancer. It knocked me down. I had to go through treatment. And at that time, I pretty much lost everything. Banks wouldn't work with me when it came to uh, saving my home or helping me with my mortgage payment, so I lost everything, and I, I remember that was I was 30 years old at the time, and I said, never again. I never want to be in a situation to where um, if I got sick again, that I'd have to go through losing everything, so I started building my career and being very purposeful about my real estate prospecting and, and business building, so the very next year, after selling zero because I was sick, I sold uh, 242 houses with my team. I never sold that many houses in my life, you know, combined. So there was a lot of trials and tribulations that come with growing your business that quickly. Over the next few years, I really built it to be a consistent 150 to 250 houses a year, along with the team. And uh, moving forward in 2012, I was diagnosed again with cancer, this time a different one, Hodgkin's lymphoma. Uh, They had found 41 tumors in my body. They gave me a 30% chance of survival within one year. 
during that time, I really had to figure out what I wanted to do with my life, with what was remaining of it, and I made the decision to go ahead and continue treatment, but yet go on the road and speak. So I think at the time I was the only active speaker in the United States that was going through stage four cancer and uh, being on stage. And uh, with a lot of treatment, a lot of prayer, um, here I am today. Well, so you basically, in a very short time frame, went through pretty much the most stressful stuff, the stuff that keeps all of us up at night, the things that are the things that we hope we'll never have to experience in our lives. And you went through all that in a very short period of time. If you don't mind going back, I'm really curious, as far as the mindset, what took you from zero to 242 homes just essentially in one year? You had that, there had to be mm-hmm. so much personal work that you did during that year to get yourself to the mindset where it just wasn't about poor me, where you were able to actually get back on the saddle in such an incredible way. Can you share with our listeners uh, what you remember about the process? Yeah, so you know, the irony of it all is that when you <clears> – <throat> on your 30th birthday, you hope that you're doing something fun. Or My 30th birthday, I'll never forget, I was in a bankruptcy court, and I was in a wheelchair because I was going through treatment. And uh, it was my 30th birthday. I'd lost all my – my house, I lost all my cars, and I didn't have an income to work with. And I said to myself, "This, this has to be the lowest point. There's no more. You can't go any lower than this." So, <clears throat> what I made the decision to do was be purposeful. One thing that I knew was that I was fairly good uh, at winging it, as far as listening <laughs> presentations, buyers presentations, and I had that gift of gab, you know. And all of a sudden. Apparently, that's pretty good. And I thought, man, this is terrible. I, all I have to do is talk and I can get a listing. What if I prepared? What if I actually put some thought behind what I was doing? How good would I be? And not only that, but I wanted to make sure that other people that I cared about, some of my best friends are in real estate. I said, let's create a team. Come on board with me. I'll lead generate. Let's work together. And I, was, I had to be purposeful in helping them. So our team, specifically in our area, um, people would get real estate listings and buyers without any preparation ahead of time. And we were very purposeful about saying, all right, even if it's our grandma who's going to list with us, let's give her the whole enchilada. Let's show her our marketing. Let's show her what we have to offer because these are the most referable sources, and yet we, when they're a gimme – will say, all right, well, it's just grandma. She's going to list with us anyway, so why do we need to show her the marketing presentation? Well, duh, because she's probably one of the most referable sources to you, so she needs to see the whole thing. So we were very purposeful in in doing that, and we noticed that we went from a 40% um, conversion rate on my listing appointments all the way up to above 85%, and I thought, this is how you do it. The other thing well, that I did there. was I'm – yeah, sure. Let's hover there because you said two really critical things, and I hope listeners are paying attention. Number one, you basically – a lot of agents, by the way, stay in that winging it mode their entire careers. But you went from winging it to having, a, I'm sure, a, an actual system, probably a pre-listing pack and a listing presentation, and you were actually being a professional, providing a professional service. That was a big epiphany. You still had that magnetic personality that people liked. You still had that gift of gab, as you called it, but now you added some systems and some organization behind it, and that – 
and instantly will transcend you to go to the next level. And that's, you know, the ego was, will want people to stay in that mode of, I'm good enough, I don't need to have a presentation, I don't need to have scripts, I don't need to have this, that, and the other. And maybe the health issue helped you to break through it and realizing that, you know, maybe, the, maybe those thoughts were holding you back. And the second thing I heard you say, and this is really critical, listeners, pay attention to this guy, he obviously knows what he's talking about. Um, number two is you're treating everybody the same. And, yeah, agents are so guilty of that. You know, this is a best friend. This is a grandma using your example. They all have different – nope, not with you. They come in the front door. They're going to have the exact same presentation. The exact same information is going to be provided. You're going to respect every potential client the exact same way and not take any of it for granted. Did I summarize those two points adequately? Perfect. Perfect. Thank you. (laughs) I don't have to say anything further. (laughs) Okay, good. Uh, so you are, I have uh, several lessons that I uh, wrote down that uh, Gina provided for me that I think were really great. And I love this first okay. one. I really, really do love this first one. Don't let other people dictate your future. Yes, that's true. It's, um, so when I travel the country and I do uh, speeches about my cancer and how it relates to business, it's one of my very first ones. And um, the way that it relates to my cancer was that, you know, that when when the doctor came and told me, Hammer and you have 41 tumors. That's a fact. What wasn't a fact was that I had a 30% chance of survival. They use that measurement based on other people's diagnosis in my similar situation. So what makes me the 30 versus the 70? And what I didn't do, and here's the interesting part about it, <clears throat> I decided to not find out what my odds were before treatment. I made the conscious decision to talk to doctors and say, I don't want to know what my diagnosis is. I just want to know what's the treatment. One of the things that I I wanted to do was make sure that whatever that diagnosis was did not affect me uh, in my mindset and how I prepared. Only after my ninth month of chemotherapy did they tell me how severe it was. And the reason why I thought that that was pretty significant was you know, I'm, I was 35 when I was diagnosed, 36, and I'd go into the chemo center at UCLA Med Center. I'd go in at 8 o'clock in the morning, and I'd do chemo for about an hour. Then a group of people would come in, you know, the other cancer patients. They'd get their chemo for three hours. They'd leave. I was still sitting there. Uh, I had lunch. Uh, well, I tried to eat. Then after lunch, another group came in. They'd do their chemo for two, three hours, and they'd leave, and I'm still sitting there. And I thought to myself, Whatever I have, it's got to be pretty bad. But I never, ever let other people's, including the doctor's mindset, uh, affect my decision-making. And it really relates to business. So the way that I think about it is in, uh, when I first started real estate, I had so many people, people that were trying to help me, tell me, don't door knock, Emran, it's a waste, waste of time, or you, know, you shouldn't use online lead generation because there's just no way that it's going to work. And what I – see is that I see so many real estate veterans who mean well to sit there and give people advice based on what they've experienced. And I don't like that. So when somebody, when I'm coaching with somebody and they say, um, you know, I don't door knock and I ask why, well, I just don't find it to be valuable time. I always preface it by telling the person that they're not you. They might not have enjoyed that. So for me, um, I look at people today that go through coaching and they love it and you see the different methods of why people are getting business. And it's 
sometimes the traditional old school, as we sometimes call it, methods like door knocking, and then sometimes it's I get 100% of Zillow leads or you know online lead ser- services. So I don't let other people dictate my future. I determine it for myself. Well, yeah, I appreciate all those points, and they're all fantastic. And the truth is, is not everyone is going to be equally effective with different forms of lead generation. There is no one-size-fits-all approach, uh, which makes real estate perfect for just about anybody. You know, if you're, it, it just, it's that's the cool thing about it. We call it spokes, and when you have, you know, seven or eight lead generation spokes, it makes for a really strong wheel, and you can design those spokes around your specific skills and talents and all the rest of it. So. Yeah, I love that. It's all good stuff. And, you know, you're also right. Agents will have a tendency, and it's not a bad thing, to seek out mentors from agents in their offices. And what they really should be doing is looking outside of their immediate office, let alone outside of their immediate market. And then you could start really getting inspiration. Otherwise, you're just, generally speaking, only going to get what other people got. You know, here's a funny question. Um, I, we get this a lot. Uh, do you have to, like, to be successful, do you have to have been in the business for years and years? A lot of agents think, that they have to start out as buyer's agents and kind of be buyer's agents for like forever, and then maybe they'll get a listing and things like that. And, I, I mean, how do you address someone who has that mindset? It's um, – you know what it really reminds me of? It reminds me of when we were little. We were told that we could do anything, right? And then what ends up happening is we get older, and then people put their own limiting beliefs on us. And, come on, you can't really be an astronaut, Emran, you know, things like that. So we kind of settle into who we become a little bit cynical or maybe doubting ourselves. Um, For me, it's so interesting because you'll see people that will come into this business brand new, not knowing a person, and they start to be very successful. And you go, what are they doing differently? They weren't a buyer's agent. They weren't somebody that had to ramp up to take a listing. Often, and this is the truth, you just have to be there when somebody's ready to buy. That's the first step. You have to physically be there when the person's ready to make the decision. And because some of these brand new people come in the business, they don't have the whole limiting belief or, um, you know, this business is hard, that type of a thing. And they just go, they don't have that mindset at all. They just go, let's go. For me, when I first started real estate, I took my license. uh, I got my license in December of 2002. I listed my first house in uh, the last week, Christmas week of 2002, uh, it was a friend of mine from high school, and I had in California we can dual in, so we ha- I had a cash buyer come and I closed the transaction first week of January, and I thought this is the easiest job in the history of mankind, <laughs> right? I just got my license and I double ended my first deal within three weeks, and then little did I know. That's not how it goes normally. So, you know, I struggled the first three months after that. But putting together an idea and having that great start, I think, really helped me get going with my career because I didn't realize uh, anything different. So, Well, you're, you're touching on lesson two, which I really appreciate this one. Surround yourself with people who fit these three profiles. Do you remember your three profiles? you want me to read them? I remember them. I wrote them. Somebody that's okay. Someone older and more successful for me to learn from. Uh, somebody that you're equal to share your ideas with, and somebody to mentor and help them become more successful. That last one's interesting. You know about mentorship. I heard something interesting. I'll share it with the listeners. Uh, mentorship doesn't have to be this big formal, you know, relationship. You could have a mentor that just talks to you randomly. You don't have to have, you know, sometimes when you guys are trying to seek out mentors, 
Um, and uh, actually, now I think about this, I heard this from a very famous author who was in his 20s, a guy that wrote Ego is the Enemy. And he was talking about how he went about getting Robert Greene, who wrote a great book called Power, as his mentor. He just basically would start sending Robert simple questions that were easy to answer with, like, you know, five words. And then slowly but surely they built a relationship. It wasn't some big formal sit-down where there was, you know, contracts drawn up. You are now officially my mentor. So remember that, guys. And also, agents, listen, you don't have to have mentors that are in the real estate business. Some of the best mentors I've ever had didn't have real estate licenses because it gives you a totally different perspective. Um, they don't even have to be business owners. They can be people that work different places. Find mentors. Like if you decide you want to you know, learn how to save money or if you want to you know, just fill in the blank what the thing is you're lacking, find a you know, person or persons that know how to do it better than you, and you'll be surprised how willing – People are to share, which gets to really to your third point. You becoming a mentor is very cathartic. It helps you learn faster at a higher level. Can you talk a little bit about that? So one of the things that I do uh, when I'm coaching uh, now in the role that I play within our franchise, uh, we have broker owners from all around the country, and they fly into Northern California, and I do a, set, a full day of training with them. And one of the things they say is. If I wanted to set up a mentor in my office, who should I choose? And they often will pick the very top person in their office. And I said, I understand the idea of the successful nature of this, but I don't want them to be your mentor. Um, I'd prefer it to be somebody that's that mid-level producer because what ends up happening is it helps both people. So if a new agent is coming on board and you have a mid-level producer come and help them, the new agent, you know, they're looking for basic stuff, things like, how do I fill out a contract? How do I search the MLS correctly? You don't need an absolute top producer to do that. A medium producer can, can help. In addition to that, the medium producer then stands up straighter, um, you know, comes, on ta- comes on time more often, and because they have somebody to be responsible to. And what will end up happening is you'll see that mid-level producer actually go up in production because they're held accountable to a standard that they've never had before. So I love I love mentorship in the sense that it doesn't – unlike what you said there, Tim, you don't have to be in the real estate game in order to be somebody's men, have somebody be your mentor. Um, one of my mentors is a speaker by the name of Larry Wingett. Larry and I met when I spoke for the very first time on stage. The very first time I ever spoke on stage, it was in front of 1,500 people in New Zealand. And I thought, okay, this is, <laughs> this is a way to jump in the fire. And one of the speakers yeah, on this – Yeah, yeah. So one of the speakers that I had with me was a gentleman by the name of Larry Wingett, six-time best-selling author, uh, uh, always on Fox News, uh, doing political commentary, great guy. And uh, – he sent me an email when we got done and said, you know, great, great job and wanted to talk to you about a few things. And it looked like a spam email. And he said, then uh, about a week later, it comes back and he goes, first part, you always answer somebody's email, especially if they're typing it to you. And I went back and I went, oh, crap, this is somebody that really was uh, typing me a letter. And I thought because of his stature, he wouldn't be a mentor for me, but he really was. And ever since then, Larry's been an incredible mentor to me and helping me with my speaking career as well as just business in general. I you never uh, know you're who in your 40s, end up right? with a mentor. I j- no, you're in your 40s. Don't, just... don't age me. Don't age me. I'm 38 years old. Hey, I'm 46, <laughs> man. Okay, there you go. Well, I can kind of tell by some of your references. So the only reason I bring this up is because when you and I were in our 20s and 30s, you know, there wasn't really all the sources of information that we have now. Uh, there were books, right? You know, now yeah. because of like, well, this hell, this, you know, this blog, this, uh, you know, this radio show, you know, this podcast. There's so many incredible ways to get information. Um, and again, guys, don't be fearful of seeking information or motivation or just inspiration from people that aren't even in 
your space. Look, here's a really cool thing. Some of the most successful people I know, what they'll do is they'll intentionally seek out information that is counter to what they actually think to challenge their beliefs and make sure their beliefs are actually what they want to carry forward. So, you know, so many cool things available because of technology, and I'm sure you guys mostly know that since you're listening to us on a podcast. All right, so the next point that you wrote down, I, this is really, you know, this is really fascinating. Be aware that you always have an audience. <laughs> I love that yeah. one. Our, 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 our frame of that one is uh, don't be a secret agent, right? So, but yours is, I think, a little bit more accurate. Don't forget that you always have an audience. What does that mean? All right, so I got to give you the story. Uh, I won't out this person that did it, but there was a real estate coach that I, I followed. Uh, when I say I followed, I don't mean I stalked him. What I met was I was a, a member of his coaching program, and I, there was an event in San Diego. And every time I went to one of his events, I was I was just inspired. I watched on stage and the way that he spoke and how he handled his real estate training and coaching. I mean, I was buying into it, spending the money, doing what was necessary. And by the way, I truly believe in coaching. There's no, if you think of entertainers and and athletes, the highest paid people in the world, they have coaches. So I believe in in coaching. So every time that I went to go try to talk to this gentleman, you know, rush the stage to go catch him on a break or whatever, there'd be a bunch of other people that would run up to, and I was all standing in the back. I felt like the kid trying to get the autograph, right? Couldn't see me. So I went to, it was a three-day conference. I go, I'm going to go up to my room. I get to the elevator. The door opens. I get in the elevator. I'm going to go get some stuff out of my room. And the guy walks in, and it's just me and him. And I was like, wow, this is the time. That's what you do. I say, hi, Mr. So-and-so. My name is Emron Pilati. I've been a follower of your training for the last three years. I love it. I've been to six of these events, and I just got to tell you, you're an inspiration to me, and hopefully one day I can be just like you. And the guy's scrolling down on his phone, doesn't even look up, and goes, cool. And then the door opens and walks out. And I thought to myself, that sucked. And I remember how it made me feel. And and he could have been going through anything. He could have been going through uh, you know, some bad news on his phone, or maybe he was checking an email with time sensitivity. But the point of it is that was a turning point for me, meeting my hero, and he let me down. And I remember thinking to myself, never, I would never do that to somebody else. So even if I'm having the worst day in the world and I'm walking back to my room at a, at a conference, I look up, I shake people's hand, I'm present. And then I can collapse in my room or be upset somewhere else. When we got in this business, myself, Tim, anybody else that's listening to this, when we got in this business, we made the decision, conscious decision, to be a public figure, whether we like it or not. And just because you're not on a stage doesn't mean you don't have an audience. When you're at the grocery store, when you're driving and you're cutting people off, you have an, you have an audience. I had a guy cut me off the other day driving and he's got his real estate signs on both sides of his car. And he cuts me off. And then I thought to myself, that might be the dumbest thing that you could possibly do. Well, <laughs> so you know he's getting phone kind of calls. You know, you know well, people yeah, were calling off. Oh, no, yeah, but they just weren't the messages he wanted. Exactly. <laughs> you know, he's, well, ahead, but Emron, the, the, tr- the truth is a lot of people that are just to your elevator story, A, sorry that happened to you, B, that happens a lot because a lot of people that are in our space, you know, you obviously are a great leader or a mentor or a coach, and 
you know, incredibly inspirational. I love how your calm demeanor, uh, you don't even have to, you know, be jumping around like a Mexican jumping bean. You actually have this nice, calm, knowing energy, which I, I'm sure our listeners can, you know, they're feeling as well. But unfortunately, what happens, and you learned this the hard way, is a lot of people that are in our space never sold real estate before. They have never really done anything in real estate before. They just chose real estate as their place to basically offer sales training, and that unfortunately happens a lot. But we don't need to go negative. I just wanted to enlighten everyone to the truth. Sure. Uh, sure. Point number three. Um, I see. No, I'm sorry. Point number four. <laughs> this one's awesome. There's so many points. Point number four. All points of light. But, oh, these are great, man. I'm going to use these on our other podcasts. Believe me. <laughs> I'll, you know what? I'll call this one life lesson number four. This is so fun. When you're the smartest person in the room, listeners, it's time to find another room. Talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so let's be clear about this. That doesn't necessarily mean leave your brokerage. That's not what we mean by this. Um, I do say this on stage just because you're not uh, – excuse me. Um, when you're the smartest person in a room, go find another room. Often, so many times, we feel really great about what we do in real estate. and People work very hard, and they deserve the accolades and recognition. But what ends up happening is you end up stunting your growth. So an example of that might be um, – Hey, you know, I'm the top listing agent in my company. Uh, I'm good. I don't need to do any training. I'm, I'm good. I'm the best, right? No. Go get coaching. Go get training. Get better. You don't necessarily have to leave your environment, but leave your, quote, unquote, mindset environment. That way you can go and, and try to challenge yourself. You know, some of these things that I do personally, uh, you know, I coach agents. All, I should back up, Tim. I don't coach them. I tend to do uh, speaking engagements and and teaching. Yeah, I personally don't coach. It's it's just not for, for my skill set. But I'm sometimes I'm the the in the audience front row taking notes as a, as an attendee <clears throat> and somebody said to me, You're a coach or you're a trainer, why do you sit in the front? Because things change. Because I have to continue learning. And if I took that mindset then I'd be telling the same story and the same class over and over and over again with no development or improvement in what I'm doing. So I'm a big believer well, that, in getting out of the when you're m- a, mindset room. You, you're ahead, tying a lot of things together. But you're, you're, you, well, I apologize for interrupting you, but you're tying a lot of things together. And just for the sake of time, I hope listeners are paying attention. You're now talking about the fact, that, back to your original point in essence, that when agents reach a certain level of success, they stop learning because they think they got it all figured out. And the agents yeah. that struggle the most for the longest, needlessly, are the ones that basically have natural sales skills. You know, they have this people likable thing that they have, and because they're able to maybe even be their agents of their year in their office or whatever, you know, they then think that they're they got it all figured out. And what's worse is our industry will pile on the awards and the recognition, you know, even have them up on stage so they can talk about their numbers and all that, and then the person doesn't realize that they they're limiting themselves by having this mm-hmm. this mindset. You know, when you're speaking. Um, when you look out in the audience, and listeners, when you're in an audience, or maybe some of you are speakers, and you're looking around the audience, the people that are taking the that not that are not taking their notes when you're speaking, um, they're the ones that are usually the ones that need the message the most, but they're least receptive to it because their egos are basically blocking them from learning. Why do they block? Are they blocked from learning? Because their egos don't want to have to change. Their egos don't want to have their paradigms challenged. Their egos want them to say, "You got this all figured out. You don't need to make yourself uncomfortable." That very thought is what keeps us all small. It keeps us all in these little tiny boxes that doesn't ever allow us to live to our fullest potential. And that's what I get from listening to you with your these great life lessons you've shared with us, is that you really truly can um, 
you know, with an intentional effort, create a life really around what you value, what your definition of success is? Well, that's a great question to kind of round the bend. What is your definition of success? Interesting. Um, you know, when, when I was building my real estate office, you know, with the different people in it, so often you do a coaching or accountability session with them and you say things like, you know, what do you believe that you, you should sell? And they'll say, oh, I think I need to sell five houses this year or ten houses. And then often a broker will go, well, no, you should do 20. Let's do it. Let's do 20 or 25. And the person goes, okay. And they don't hit that goal. Right. And they go, they feel like a, they're a failure. But that was the broker's level of what they believed was successful for that agent, not what the agent thought. So for me, a level of success is this, to where in your real estate, you have predictable business coming in. You have the ability to take time off. You have a reasonable expectation when you're going to work, you know, um, but <clears throat> you can take time off and that you're able to not only survive but thrive in this business, put some money away, and then begin, in my belief, once you start uh, people that are on the fence about real estate as their career or not, when you sell one a month consistently, uh, I think that now real estate is your career. That's my personal opinion. Once you go there, now you can build on In that. California. In California <laughs> where the average sale price is high. Yes. I have no now, hold argument. On here, hold on here. But, <laughs> I'm from Stockton, California, and Stockton, California was the foreclosure capital of the world, and our average sales price today in in July of 2016 is right around 160,000. So, I will tell you okay, this. Okay, then. Uh, so, yeah, so I'll tell you this. When when I was selling real estate, whether it was a low price point or a high price point, it doesn't matter, right? We all still have to put the work in in order to close the transaction. Mm -hmm. And um, I, I will tell you this, and I want to kind of wrap this into what you do, Tim, because I think it's critically important, and I know your your pedigree and, and everything that you guys do there for you and um, Julie. I couldn't have done it without coaching. I, I, couldn't, have, I couldn't have succeeded without coaching because I didn't know what I didn't know. And having a coach that helped me understand some of the things that I needed to do, the behaviors that I needed to do, in order to improve my life. And you can't just be good at real estate coaching and, and, and that's the end of it. And I'm successful in real estate and my personal life is going um, down the tubes. You have to be balanced. So I did things like you know, try to get exercise in and be more active and build uh, stronger relationships with the people that I cared about as well as my real estate career. So you have to be a well-rounded person. And I really believe that success is when you can go to bed at night knowing I put in a great day of work, I have uh, security, as, uh, the financial security that I need, and I have the relationships around me of the people that I care about that mean uh, the world to me. If you can put those three together, uh, I think you created success. Yeah, I completely agree. And you know, the going back to that mythical, we're in front of a group of agents and we're asking, and we're helping them set sales goals. You know. You always ask agents, like, what's – there's an undefined uh, idea of what why they're in real estate. People get into real estate because they want independence. They want the sense of freedom, <laughs> not having a boss. You know, I they want have to have all these my things they want. Come on. Right, exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I mean, that was a motivator like, for me when I was right out of college. Yeah, I mean, yeah, know, it sounds we, sexy. We don't, then, yeah, we yeah. don't have the right – we don't have the right to say, I'm going to dictate my own hours. You can dictate any hours that you want. Just don't expect your clients to go along with it. What you have to do is when you're first – I mean, if your client calls you 
10 a.m. on a Thursday, there's a reasonable expectation that you're working. If they call you on 4 o'clock on a Tuesday, there's a reasonable expectation that you're working. When you decide to work four hours a week because this is what works for you, that's fine. That's what fits in your life. But don't expect the same results of those that are putting in uh, the work and the time and effort to make a successful career. Well, but so that's like such a uh, you know a common sense practical type thing to say, but it's also the antithesis of a lot of what a lot of people are, le- are believing, right? I mean, there is a direct correlation to what you learn and what you earn, and there's also even a more direct correlation between the amount of effort you put in and the, the and the results that you get. It was actually Elon Musk. <laughs> I watched a YouTube video. He's being interviewed after a TED talk. I don't even know what. Anyway, someone said, so what's the secret to success? And, you know, Elon, he doesn't ask, answer questions right away. He just sort of, like, you know, thinks about it, looks up at the sky and goes, well, it's as simple as this. <laughs> if my competitors are putting in 40 to 50 hours a week and we're putting in 80 to 100 hours a week or whatever the numbers were, I'm just making these up, listeners, I'm going to win because I'm going to move twice as fast. <laughs> you know, that's not what people want to hear. People nowadays want to hear that, oh, you just do this or you hit this magic button or you flip this mm-hmm. magic switch or, you know, you do this, the other thing. It's the real honest to God, being in front of people, doing the work, having conversations that help them solve a problem. That's where the action is. You know, that's where the money is. That's where the satisfaction is. That's where the long-term career comes from. But ultimately, uh, real estate is, I can't, I have not come across another business that's more elegant and beautiful when done correctly they, you know, is easy to over overcomplicate. But when you guys are, you know, listen to what he had to say, think about it, internalize it, and then move forward with your own vision of your own business. And and then don't let all these other things, don't let the ego stuff start to come in and, you know, dilute and pollute your your mindset. Don't let someone else. I loved his point about, you know, don't let somebody else dis- dictate your future. Don't let somebody else tell you what your success is going to be. Don't let somebody else. None of that. You guys. Take responsibility for your – if you don't like where you are right now, if you don't like the experience you're having right now, it's because you made decisions in the past that led you to this point. So if you don't want to be where you are now, say, another six months, make different decisions now. It's all in your control. And, you know, I I really, really appreciate you being my co-host today. Um, All the uh, rave reviews about your speaking and whatnot are obviously true. So if someone wants to connect with you, how can they do it? Um. Send me an email. That's the best way. Uh, Emran, my name is spelled I am like Michael, R-A-N, at nexthome.com. So Emran at nexthome.com. Shoot me an email. I'd love to hear from you. And um, that's the best way. Fantastic. I really appreciate it. God bless you, man. I really appreciate your time. Thank you for being um, – I mean, Inman called you one of the 100 most influential leaders in the industry. I would you know, definitely say that not just in, in, influential but also inspirational – Thank you for being my uh, co-host and listeners. Thank you for listening. Your homework as is from every radio show is please share this radio show with as many different um, other agents as you can. Facebook it, tweet it, do whatever you can to help us get the word out. Uh, Emran, thank you again. Have a fantastic day. And listeners, we'll talk with you on the radio tomorrow. This program has been a presentation by Tim and Julie Harris, Real Estate Coaching. For more information on our real estate coaching and training programs, visit our website at timandjulieharris.com. Remember to tune in weekdays at noon for upcoming shows. And until next time, thank you for listening to Real Estate Coaching Radio with Tim and Julie Harris.
This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.